Hello, friends, and welcome to the PrepWell podcast. I'm your host, Phil Black. And if you have an 8th, 9th, or 10th grader with big aspirations, like the Ivy League or military service academies like West Point, ROTC, or athletic scholarships, boom, you've come to the right place. My specialty, my superpower, if you will, is preparing families for these competitive programs. I'll teach you what your child should do, when they should do it, and how you can help. So stick around and prepare to out-prepare. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the PrepWell Podcast. In today's episode, I want to focus one more time on the nuts and bolts of the admissions process, particularly at some of the more selective schools, because I continue to hear from parents that they don't know what to do anymore, and how is it possible that their child is not getting into this school or that school? It's a very hot topic, and I hope to shed some light on what happens behind the scenes. But instead of talking in more generalities, like we did last week, I thought I would go by the numbers to demonstrate what certain applicants are up against when applying to certain schools. Because whether or not you have a senior in high school right now, you've probably heard of what's going on and the trends in admissions. And if you have a younger child, this will likely impact you. And I'm going to talk in rough numbers, so don't freak out if I say that 800 students were accepted early to Harvard, and the real number is 740. That's not a discrepancy that's going to matter for our purposes. I'm going to take liberties to round numbers up, round numbers down, so that it's easier to follow. My point here is not to get into excruciating detail that requires you to write down every number just to follow along. Many of you are in the car, many of you are doing other activities. I want to talk generally about what the numbers look like so you can have an overall appreciation for what happens behind the scenes. And by the way, I'm not even privy to the exact numbers, even if I wanted them. Those numbers are Harvard's private numbers and not something that they're required to disclose. Let's first go over some terminology. You've probably heard of the term hooked. When a student is hooked at a college, it means that they have something special about them that makes an admissions officer take note. They will spend a little bit more time looking at the application. They may even put that application into a certain pile alongside with other similar applications. And even though every distinction I'm about to make is not necessarily a hook in the traditional sense, I think you'll get the idea. Now, the fictional student that I'll be referring to is intentionally unhooked. That's the whole point of this episode, is to see how many spots go to hooked students and how many might be left over for the unhooked. And again, I don't have any secret insider information about how Harvard makes their admissions decisions around hooked and unhooked students, but it's well known that many of the highly selective schools follow this same process. And it doesn't mean that if your child has a hook that they're automatically in, obviously. There are plenty of students with hooks or multiple hooks that don't get in. It just means that they may be viewed in a separate pile and compared to a different group of students. It also doesn't mean that if your child is unhooked that they stand no chance of getting in. It just means that the number of spots for unhooked students might be smaller than you think. The next term is 
institutional priorities. These are the student characteristics that the school is being pressured to find and make part of each class. They call this crafting the class. And I will go over some of these priorities. Again, I'm not privy to exactly what Harvard's or any other school's institutional priorities are. I'm just making some educated guesses. And of course, priorities will vary among schools. And lastly, remember, these schools have a lot of stakeholders. Coaches, professors, alumni, board members, media, politicians, celebrities, donors, special interest groups. And the list goes on and on. Everyone wants a piece of the action. Everyone wants their group to be represented. And schools have to try to deliver on these demands as best they can. And importantly, hooks are not mutually exclusive. For example, if the student body is made up of 25% athletes and 10% first-gen students, those are students whose parents did not attend college, some of the students who get admitted will fall into both of those categories. They will be athletes and they'll also be first-gen students. This happens all the time. Sometimes it helps if a student checks off multiple hooks it helps the school meet the multiple demands that are placed on it, but it wouldn't be fair to assume that each hook is the sole characteristic of each student. So keep that in mind as I walk through the numbers as well. Okay, so let's introduce the unhooked student that we're going to analyze. Let's call him Howard. And as I go down Howard's list of characteristics, I want you to try to remember them and think about whether or not they are hooks. Here's a hint. None of them are hooks. So the point of the analysis is how much room is there at Harvard for a wildly successful, accomplished, motivated student like Howard who is unhooked? Here's Howard's profile. He's a male Caucasian, 1590 on the SAT. He's taken the most rigorous coursework available at his high school, which is a large public high school, 4.5 GPA, class salutatorian, senior class president, got fours and fives on six AP exams. He's a two-sport varsity athlete, though not a recruited athlete at Harvard. He was the founder of a robotics club. He's an Eagle Scout, had a part-time job at Yogurtland, a summer internship at a tech startup. He's got over 200 volunteer hours. He tutors underprivileged middle schoolers. He got strong letters of recommendation, wrote compelling essays. His dad is an executive with an MBA, and his mother is an attorney, and their family lives in Washington, D.C. Okay, now, when you hear that profile, doesn't Howard sound like someone who would be a great fit at Harvard? I would say yes, of course. He's a great fit for Harvard. And you'd be right if you thought that. But let's see what happens when we lay Howard's profile over Harvard's institutional priorities, also known as hooks. Now, as I go through each hook, I'm going to subtract the number of students accepted from each hook category from the total number of students accepted at Harvard to end up with the number of spots left for unhooked students. I hope that makes sense. Again, this is not a perfect science, I am taking, in some cases, 
wild guesses about how many students get accepted for each hook, but bear with me. We're trying to illustrate the process here. So let's get to the numbers. Harvard receives about 40,000 applications and admits about 1,800 students. And before we rush ahead, let's let that sink in for a second. 40,000 applicants, most highly qualified, for only 1,800 spots. Some parents I talk to have no idea that the number of applications is so high or that the number of acceptances is so low, not because they're dumb, but because they've never thought about it. Colleges seem like big places that accept thousands and thousands of students. Now, that's the case in some schools, some big state schools, but it's not the case at these types of private schools. 1,800 students out of 40,000 applications. And the 40,000 applications are a mix between early applicants and regular decision applicants. I'm not going to break this down to any great degree right now. There are some nuances about when to apply and who gets in and what the strategy is. But again, we're trying to stick to a big picture analysis here. Out of the 1,800 students accepted, Harvard usually yields about 1,200 students per class. But for our purposes, since we're talking about who got accepted, not necessarily who decided to attend, we're going to stick with the bigger number of 1,800. Out of the 1,800 students who were accepted, about 900 were boys and 900 were girls. Again, roughly speaking, the exact split doesn't really matter for our purposes. So right off the bat, the number of spots Howard is fighting for is 900. It's not 1,800 because 900 of them are girls. So out of the 20,000 applications, or half the total number of applications, from all around the world, Howard is vying for one of 900 of them. Okay, so here are some characteristics that might be called hooks that colleges are very focused on. Depending on the school, these institutional priorities might differ, and they might also differ year to year at the same institution. These are ever-changing numbers, and ever-changing categories for that matter. So once again, we're starting with 900 spots for males. Now we're going to start chipping away at that. Why don't we start with athletes? Let's say 25% of the class was quote-unquote recruited or supported for a sport. That drops the balance down to 675 because Howard was not a recruited athlete. Now let's consider QuestBridge low-income applicants who might make up 20% of the class. Now, I don't want to count all 20% because some of those admits may also be athletes. So let's just cut that number in half. Instead of 20%, let's call it 10%. So now there are 608 spots left. Now, there are also other low-income students, typically families making below $75,000 a year, who didn't go through QuestBridge, that also get accepted. They might make up say, another 5% of the class? Well, this doesn't include Howard, so let's drop that number down to 545. Well, what about legacy applicants, those who have parents or a parent who were Harvard graduates? That might be 6 7 8%. Let's cut that back by half. 
which brings us to a new number of spots, which is 525. What about first-gen students? These are students who are first-generation whose parents did not go to college. Since Howard is not a first-gen, we're going to cut another 5% out. Now we're down to 498. Well, what about development cases for applicants whose parents were quote-unquote big donors? This doesn't include Howard's parents, so let's cut that number back some more. Now we're down to 473. Well, how about kids of celebrities and politicians and presidents and heads of state? That might make up another few percentage points, which brings us down to 450. How about the DEI crowd, the diversity, equity, and inclusion crowd, the people of color, the LGBTQ plus community? Howard doesn't fall into one of these categories, so let's wipe out another 15% of the class, which brings the number down to 380. What about ROTC applicants who make up a small group of spots? That brings the number down to 370. What about the children of faculty members, professors? That brings us down to 347. And let's not forget, there must be representation from all 50 U.S. states, all U.S. territories, and typically over 100 countries. Well, Howard's from Washington, D.C., so he's not getting any credit for geographic diversity. So the number now drops down to 205. What about students with special personal stories? Those fleeing persecution or with unique medical conditions that stand out from the crowd? That drops the number to 193. What about the need to fill some of the less popular majors on campus? Like medieval history or anthropology or Latin studies, or folklore studies. Unfortunately, Howard intends to study computer science, which is one of the more popular majors, or concentrations if we're talking about Harvard. So he's not in this group. That brings the number down to 16. And that's where we leave it, 16 spots left. That's a pretty small number from when we started at 1,800, which was already a low number. So my point is, Howard is not competing for one of 1,800 spots of all the number of students that were accepted, which combines males and females, or even one of the 900 male spots. He might be competing for one of 16 spots. And how many other Howards with no hooks are out there battling for those 16 spots? There's no way to know, there's no way for us to know for sure, but out of the 40,000 applications, I'm sure there are many of them, all who are extremely highly qualified, if not more qualified than Howard. Does this paint the picture a little bit more clearly about how long the odds are to get into one of these schools? Particularly if you're unhooked, no matter how much of a rock star you are. And I'm not suggesting that the system is fair or it's the best way to do things. But after hearing how things actually work, should Howard or his family be shocked that he didn't get in? Of course not. And he shouldn't think that a rejection from Harvard was personal or that somehow they didn't think he was worthy of an acceptance. Of course they did. There simply were not enough beds to go around. And yes, I'm using an extreme case here with Harvard to prove a point. 
but the same process applies to many other schools, especially with schools like UCLA, who get over 150,000 applications. You shouldn't take an acceptance or a rejection from that school personally. It's too big to be personal. So what does all of this mean when it comes to college admissions? Well, for one, it's important to have an appreciation for how the system works so that you can manage your expectations and manage any disappointment that you might feel. And with this knowledge, you can either, number one, try to become a hooked applicant, like a recruited athlete. Maybe that will increase your chances. Two, be more realistic in where you apply and not count on Harvard. Number three, not to take rejection personally, even if your application meets or exceeds the typical profile of an applicant. And lastly, number four, be a more compelling and a more competitive applicant by paying attention to what you're doing earlier in your high school career, which is what Preppel Academy is all about. That's all I've got for you today, folks. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for the continued support. If you know a parent with a 6th, 7th, 8th grader, 9th grader, 10th grader, or 11th grader, or even a senior in high school that might find this helpful, please share the episode with them. You can do that by finding that small box with the tiny arrow pointing up. That's the share button. Click that button. Text your friends the link to this episode. Maybe put a little personal note in there from you recommending that they give it a listen. If you have questions, comments, or an idea for an upcoming episode, please reach out to me by email, DM me on Instagram, Preppel underscore Academy. Check out our blog, Facebook, connect with me on LinkedIn. I would love to hear from you. And until next week, goodbye, good luck, and never stop preparing. This podcast is brought to you by PrepWell Academy. PrepWell Academy is my one-of-a-kind online mentoring program that delivers to your ninth or 10th grader a short, highly relevant video from me every week, every Sunday, in fact, where I give them a heads up about what they should be thinking about to stay ahead of the game. To get these valuable lessons into your child's hands, please head over to PrepWellAcademy.com and enroll your child today.